We're a unique podcast for families of faith. Produced by parents and pastors who understand and appreciate how hard it is to maintain your faith in a hostile culture. We're here to encourage and support you in the most vital role of all, parenting. If you're feeling overwhelmed and afraid, it's okay. You're not alone. Brilliantly Brave is hosted by two honest and engaging dads with nine kids between them. A road tripper, author, and pastor, Father Brad Mathias, and iShine founder, solo parenting expert, and all-around foodie, Mr. Robert Beeson. Join us each week as we explore and engage with some of the most intriguing, inspiring, outrageous, and awesome parents in the world. This is Brilliantly Brave. Hi, I'm Pastor Brad Mathias, and I want to welcome you to... (laughs) Brilliantly Brave Parenting with your laughing sidekick, host, and altogether foodie friend, Robert Beeson. Hey, Brad. That was you? the best <laughs> intro I've ever done. Yeah. You sounded like you were trying to channel like uh, Ellen DeGeneres or something. Was, <laughs> well, that's, that's pretty pathetic. That would be hard to do without But that. it's good to be here, Brad. Let's try to get this back on track. I'm doing my best. You know, when you do enough of these interviews, you start to develop a sense about things, right? You would hope. You would think. Yeah, well, as we've been talking and uh, we've we've had a nice chat before we started recording, our guest today is one of those uh, moms that you get a sense immediately that she's been through some stuff and come out the other side mm-hmm. and uh, is in a really good place to share with our audience today. So I don't want to take a lot of time uh, introducing her, but I do want to say that she knows more about you, I think, than I do. And so I'm oh, hopeful... It's that, possible. Yeah, I'm hopeful that through this interview process today that we learn a little bit more about Robert and uh, <laughs> that our audience can sort of appreciate you like I do. Okay, I'm, I'm game. But yeah, <laughs> Tiffany does know a lot. Tiff, um, Why don't you I've introduce known... our artist since you Hi. go way back? <laughs> we do go way back. We do. I met Tiffany. How old were you, Tiff? Uh, it was 1996, so yeah. I was 20, about to be 21. Wow, that's crazy. So I met her when she was 20, 21. Yeah. I was a little bit older than that, 22, yeah. 23. Sure. Um, <laughs> when I was in the music business and um, right. and uh, we worked together on some records, she fronted a group called Plum, and I am so incredibly proud of the things that she's done. And, that he helped um, me discover myself. I mean, he has. There's so much credit to be given to him for well, Plum, by the way. Not, not necessarily. Not that you're going to take that. But I'm just saying. It. Don't pump his head up anymore. I'm just saying. I have to. I have to live with him after you leave the studio. Okay. Anyway, I think the thing that I love the most about Tiffany, along with her voice and her amazing songwriting abilities and ability to tackle difficult situations, is that Tiff has experienced some very difficult things herself. And like you said in the open, has come on the other side of it, but it's not just coming out on the other side of it. It is using those experiences to help other people that are in those places know that there's hope. And so we're so excited. I am specifically very excited to have you. So Tiffany from Plum, welcome. Hi. Thank you. Welcome wow. to Brilliantly Brave. And as a disclaimer, uh, season three, we're being extra careful. None of us feel brilliant or brave as parents, do we? No, we do not. We don't wake up in the morning just brimming with confidence. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> Confident in our lack of, that's right. for sure. But, yeah. Yeah. So I have, uh, I've been a fan. I love your music. I've been around Christian music now for at least a decade. I'm not nearly as old as Robert. Not nearly. As old as he is. But you're older than me. I have figured I'm that out. I'm 48. Yeah. Robert's 51. And uh, 
you know. I'm holding to 42 as long as I can. I understand. So, yeah. I appreciate that too. I became a grandfather this year. Whoa. So I'm uh, I'm experiencing life a little differently, mm-hmm. have a, sure. a little different perspective. But, I, you know, as we go through these journeys, you know, I've worked with distribution. I've worked in different Christian media capacities as an executive. And there's a temptation within the industry to sort of create content that radio will play. That's sort of a driving force, yeah. uh, sort of the tension between the artistic and the right. sort of business side of the world. And I think uh, your latest project is pretty remarkable. I got a chance to listen to your EP and just one or two of those songs. And I actually was so moved by it that I actually wrote it down, which you wow, don't know me that you. well. But you just used the word remarkable, by the way. And that's just yeah, very big to me. So thanks. Well, I mean, anyone can sort of, do uh, a superficial project, but it takes real life experience to actually go to the deeper places in our heart. And so this lyric comes from that. And as a pastor, I recognize that. And so I wanted to ask you, I wanted to say the quote, and then I wanted to ask you about where this came from. Sure. So the quote is from your EP, God Help Me. It's the single God Help Me. And it says, if I'm honest, there's quite a bit of fear to sit here in this silence. And at I mean, as a parent, right, my heart just felt that. Like, Mm -hmm. that was more than a cerebral response. I wasn't just like, oh, that's a cool lyric, or I really, it was more of my heart went, oh, I've been there. So I'm curious, what led to you writing a song like that? Well, God help me, just those three words is a prayer I've taught my kids to pray when they didn't know what else to pray, because we want them to pray, but they don't always see us pray, they don't always hear us pray. And we just sort of by osmosis kind of think that they'll learn how to communicate with the Lord. And they have fears and they have concerns and they have worries um, that are completely valid. And I don't want to discredit ever or discount their emotions. And so I've just, since they were little, have just said, well, just say, God help me. If you don't know, just say, God help me. And tried to let them see me say it at times. But found myself saying it more often over the last year and a half or two, um, I was out on the road with Big Daddy Weave. And when I went out with them, I used their band. That was the first time in my career I hadn't taken my whole crew. I was really insecure, didn't realize how insecure I would be. Um, I thought when my marriage had imploded and and had rebuilt, I had dealt with a lot of, of my uh, pride, got out there and realized there was a lot of pride I was still dealing with. So there's pride and insecurity and just asking God to help me with my anxiety about that. And I was gone a lot more than I'd ever been um, consistently with touring. And so I had a lot more anxiety and depression. Um, those are things I also struggle with. And so I was finding myself saying this prayer that I've told my kids to say. And so one on one of my trips home, we had like a 10 day on 10 day off schedule. My middle Oliver had chest pains and he they were as sincere. I heard the strange sound from the back of the car, like a <gasps> And I kind of glance back, and he's holding his chest, and he's saying under his breath, God help me, God help me, God help me, God help me. And I'm trying to pull over and trying to talk to him. And as I finally get the car parked, turn around, and he looks up at me, and he goes, it worked. <laughs> and I said, what, buddy? And he goes, well, those you'd said to say that, and I did, and it worked. And it turns out he wasn't having a heart attack. He was actually having something similar to what you have growing pains in your legs and his ribs. They had did this whole mm. exam over him because I was kind of nervous about what was going on. and um, But in his moment of real fear, like before he could even 
say mom or anything like that. He was saying, God help me. And so kind of going back to how that inspired me to, you know what, I need to write a song called that because from a little child up into a grown adult, whether you're struggling with anxiety or depression or fear or whatever it is, having that prayer that you can just simply say just his name um, was kind of the, the motivator to write the song. But that line came from, I was sitting in service at church and the pastor, I completely forget now what he was talking about, um, our pastor Dave. Um, but I sat there and I was wrestling in my heart with some stuff. Um, I had several different friends going through some horrible marriage stuff um, on the opposite sides of the fences on both sides, one where the husband had left, one where the life, wife was leaving, one where another wife was struggling with just temptations. And and, we're, and having gone through a marriage crisis and coming through that, we are sometimes a magnet for those stories of like, hey, right, Tiff, sure. I want to talk to you about this. And so... All of that kind of just was sitting in my lap in, on that Sunday, and I was like, you know what? Sometimes you don't want to be alone with the Lord. You don't want to be quiet with Him because that chaos and that noise and those distractions sometimes pull us away from Him, which isn't good, but it keeps us from having to hear Him say, I want you to stop mm. when you don't want to stop, or I want you to stay when you really want to go. I want you to, you know, I want to sit still, but God's going to tell me to move. Like, if I sit here in this silence and I really hear you, you might ask me to do something I don't actually want to do. Mm. And even though I say I trust you and I want to trust you, do I trust you? Mm. And so all those those stories were just kind of swirling in my head from my own to my friends um, to my son. And so the lyric literally came so quickly sitting there. And my friend, Christy, literally nudged me. And she saw what I was writing, and it had nothing to do with the service. And she was like, what are you doing? And I said, shh, I'm writing a song. <laughs> and, um, you know, months down the road, when I had her come by the studio, she actually sang gang vocals on a song that's on the record, um, on a song called Human. But when she was in the studio, I said, remember that day you elbowed me, and you were like, you're not even writing about what Pastor Dave's talking about. I said, that's what I was writing. I said, those <laughs> lyrics came to me because I was just sitting there, and it was like, what would you ask of me? If I sit here in this silence and I really hear you, what are you going to ask of me? Because I don't, I don't know that I want to listen to you. Right. And so, God help me. Like, okay, like just cut through the noise, cut through the, the you know whatever, and just say His name and ask for His help. Because you, it's like in your mind and your heart, you do trust Him, but when you don't feel strong enough to trust Him, say His name and ask Him to help. And right. I mean, He says in Psalms one twenty verse one, like I cried out to the Lord in my distress or my despair. And he answered me. And the only reason he can answer you is because he's listening. He's always listening. And so there's a confidence that I do have, although I don't always feel, you know, brilliant and brave and confident. But it's like I do have a confidence that he is always listening. And so that was just my, and I thought, if I write this song for anyone else but myself, like, it has already been helpful to me. Mm. Um, and so for God to be using it in other people's lives is just icing on the cake. And so I did, I really wrote it from a real personal place of like, those three words so that's awesome yeah thanks i mean I'm, I'm listening to you talk and there are there are so many people who feel like they're supposed to do something with their life like they have a talent like they can sing they can write they can perform and they're feeling this sort of nudge like i'm supposed to write a song or i'm supposed to perform uh, music for my church this doesn't just happen what you just did like you wrote a lyric, you connected it with your heart, it came out. Now there's a, a hit on radio. 
Walk us through the steps. What does it look like for someone who's sort of waking up to the fact they might be called to be in music like you are? How did you get to where you are today? Well, in five minutes or less. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's funny that we're sitting here with Robert Beeson. Yeah, it is funny. <laughs> um, but before, long before, I mean, Robert met me when I was 20, but long before that, when I was three, I sang a duet in church with my dad. And I was standing in front of the you mirror. You were three years old? Well, it was, it was a pretty janky duet i'm pretty sure it sounded pretty pretty lame that's pretty Um, awesome though but i just i was apparently i mean i don't remember being one and two but around three i start to have a memory um but that i was always singing hairbrush in front of the you know mirror trying to do that thing and so he was just singing on a sunday my dad if he was sitting in the room right now i'd say he's not this great singer he's a kind of a choir sounding you know singer <clears throat> and that's no discredit to, <clears throat> excuse me, anyone in a choir, because I feel like that could have just come out the wrong way. Um, but he just said, you know. If you like that, might have come out. Yeah, yeah might have come out the wrong way. Um, so to all of you choir singers who are amazing, congratulations. My dad is not one of you. Um, he <laughs> like, just, you know. he's a great disclaimer. He just liked to sing in the choir. And so it was a small church in Indianapolis, and he was going to sing on a Sunday. So he brought me along. <clears throat> and he had the guy at the house in the front of house um mute his vocal in the house when we got to the chorus but kept both of us in the monitors so i could hear him singing with me but the audience could only hear me when i got to the chorus because at three i knew how the chorus went but i couldn't remember all the verses and so um the blood that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power that's the song that we sang and um a guy named jd richardson came up to me afterwards and it felt like he came up to me every sunday which i'm sure he did not but for years, um, this older gentleman in our church would say, when are you going to sing again? And I loved how I made him feel. Like, it made me feel good to know that I made yeah. him feel like that. And I was like, I just love singing. Singing's just so fun. And so any chance to sing, um, whether it was church, school, <clears throat> in my community, a coffee shop. Um, my parents helped with a homeless ministry for a while. I would sing there. My mom was a part of um, a women's ministry in our community that whenever there was a, a a month where they didn't have any entertainment, well, Tiffany, could you sing? Could you just come and bring your little tracks and sing something? For, okay, sure, Mom. And so, um, I mean, I sang in roller skating rinks. I mean, I was really, <laughs> I was quite the roller skating rink. You know, I'm just kidding. That's a joke. Um, Robert, Robert is too. I, <laughs> I sang anywhere and everywhere just, you know, that there was a need nothing professional nothing great to speak of and um at the very towards the end of high school i recorded like a custom project that were all original songs but they weren't mine um there was a songwriter that was connected to another songwriter that kind of put this thing together and said hey she's got a great voice um i think his sister was my youth pastor's wife and there was just it was like a very random way to connect this but oh this girl in your youth group has a good voice maybe we could so i sang these songs in the studio and just got some studio experience, which was fun. And then I had, they let me like take this little CD and I would have it whenever I was going to go sing somewhere. I was not just singing tracks of songs you'd heard. These are some original songs as well. And so I'm 16, 17. Um, and then Bill Gaither's son had um, a band that had two backup singers in it. One was married to a guy that my parents' family knew and It was really, I mean, it really is kind of crazy. If you're listening to this and you're wondering about how this all happens, it really is just a step-by-step-by-step doors of opportunity of you just being faithful sometimes and sometimes 
God just being really gracious and merciful and, and his providence working through some things that I had nothing to do with, but um, asked me to sing backup for them by way of her husband. And that led to singing backup for some other artists. And then I would come to Nashville for rehearsals and then, oh, why don't you sing in the studio? Um, so-and-so needs a demo sang or some background vocals on this record. And I literally got a voicemail at my apartment on a real answering machine with a tape in it. Um, and it was a guy named Robert Beeson leaving me a message from Essential Records. And I was like, I don't even know who that is. And the guy in my living room, his name was Adam, um, Adam Anders, who's hmm. now like yeah. Glee. Glee guy, was standing in my living room and he said, that's Jars of Clay's label. And I was like, oh, they must need backup vocals for something. And so I came to this the, the label to meet with Robert, assuming that's what that meeting was about. And he was like, I love your voice. And the rest is kind of history. Like it started from a real professional standpoint, the door swung wide open there. And I really feel like without realizing it, when I was singing at a homeless shelter or a roller skating rink, you know, my mom has said on record that I think God was seeing if he could trust you with a roller skating rink before he would trust you with an arena. And so when all that kind of came to be, it was like, whoa, I, I don't even know. And so Plum really, Robert Beeson is a huge part of the inception of Plum because it was like, well, what kind of music do you listen to? okay, well, here's some things I listen to. Here's some things I like. Well, have you listened to this new record? Have you listened to that? And he was trying to help me find my voice. I never felt like Robert was like, I want you to be the next so-and-so or Christian version of this. Like, I just really love your voice. I love you. Let's just find out what your thing is. And mm -hmm. so I kind of had to find out what that was in front of everybody. So it's like, let's do this female-fronted band thing. And okay, well, the band members are kind of swapping out here and there, but I actually can write a song. I didn't know that I could really write a song. Okay, well, let's keep doing this. And so the Evolve is, you know, here today. Yeah. So it's, That's amazing. So I, just doors of opportunity. I think you just walk through them yeah. with faithfulness when you can. You don't try to pick the lock. And I think that's the thing that I've always been amazed at, Tiffany, is that um, from the very beginning, it was very much a bumbling through journey. Um, and watching as you've evolved into the artists that you have – um, and in life and just even your marriage and your family, it's just been, you're not a strategic thinker. <laughs> and I mean that as a compliment well, because thanks. a lot of people, and I think parents especially, feel like they have to have it all mapped out and they have to figure out this is, if I do this, then that will mean this and this. And there's a certain amount of that that you have to sure. you know, be an adult and right. kind of figure out how life works. But what I think is remarkable is that you have trusted God and you've looked for the doors opening instead of trying to find necessarily the right answer. You've lived through a process of whatever it is, whether it's making a record or redeeming a marriage yeah. or now reaching out to broken girls. It's always been this kind of, you don't have to have it mapped out first right. in order to start. You don't. And I think the intentionality is I'm committed to being faithful to what you're asking of me. Right. I don't know what that's going to be. And I think not being as strategic, there are a handful of times when that's not to my advantage. It gets messy. And it gets messy. But more often than not, because my manager has even said like, oh, I know, I know that your life is like full of all these just opportunities that came your way that don't even make sense. But here's the, and, and then he'll try mm -hmm. to go into, but this is not one of those, you know. And I push back on him a lot where I'm like, hold on, like historically, I think God has had his hand on me for, you know, such a time as this. And you're supposed to walk through this door. Like I didn't, I didn't call Bill Gaither's son. He mm -hmm. called me. And then I didn't call a record label. They called me. And so it's not about 
and please hear me that if you're listening, like, don't, I don't think that you're supposed to be super passive. Mm-mm. I don't think you're supposed to bank on being uninspired or unmotivated or not taking initiative. I, I do think I have been proactive. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you have to be responsive. I think you have to take initiative. But like when that door is in front of you, you didn't have to create the door. But you do have to actually take your right leg and your left leg and walk through it. And so I think some people do expect all of it to just happen. And they think, well, I just wasn't, I wasn't, you know, God didn't do anything. Well, you know, what's the, what's the, the joke about like someone stranded and, you know, God's going to help me. And then, yeah, I've been you know, sending and, someone. And they keep sending, all these things keep happening. And it's just like, I've been, sending I've all been these hello. <laughs> and so you do have to, you know, you do have to be proactive. I do think that you have Absolutely. to be a but part I, of that. But I think so. the thing that, and I, and I don't want to be misunderstood in saying, you know, that it, you just, this just all happened to you and you had nothing to do with it because you've worked extremely hard at what oh, you do. Sure. I just think the thing that's, that's really, that stands out to me is that no matter what you do, you're always looking for God in the situation or looking for, you don't have to f- have it all figured out in order to take the first step. Sure. There's a certain amount of trust and faith, which goes against like, that's in the face of fear because fear right. is like a lot of us are, well, I don't want to do this because I'm scared that what if I do this and, and that kind of thing. And right. and I know that you deal with that. I know you I deal do. with anxiety mm-hmm. and fear and that kind of thing. But I just think it's amazing that this mess that that is part of all of our lives, you continue to embrace and go, okay, well, what does this mean? Yeah. And how can I help somebody else that may be struggling with fear right. and just needing to say, God help me. Yeah. And um I don't know where I was going with that other than to just compliment you on that because I think it's a distinction. There are some artists that have it all mapped out. Like if I do this, then I do this, then I do this. Well, we just had a, a 2018 vision meeting for the year. And I think there was a, if there was a GoPro going, it would have been very comical because there wasn't – I mean, a lot of people say, what's our end goal and let's work backwards from there, which can be really mm-hmm. helpful and strategic. And Absolutely. I think it's important in business. Um but we said that at one point, like, okay, mm. so what's our end goal? And by the end of the meeting, it was like, did we even talk about an end goal? <laughs> like, and because so much of what, again, not wanting to be passive, but it's like, you know, what we were talking about before this interview even started, like something kind of came my way of, hey, we'd like to work with you on this such mm-hmm. a, and it's like, okay, you know, and again, that response of what is the most faithful thing I can do? Because I think the number one question this is not proven, but I'm just throwing it out there. But I think the number one question asked amongst Christians is what is God's will for my life or in this situation? And I think it's the same for everybody. I think it's to be faithful. And mm-hmm. now that's going to look different for you and me because our um, our opportunities are different, our experiences are different, our environments are different. But like today, you were you were offered breath if you're listening to this. Okay, so what are you going to do with that? What's the most, when you ask yourself, like deep down inside, God, what is the most faithful thing I can do right now? I really don't want to go to the gym, but I think I'm supposed to go to the gym. Okay, then go to the gym. Hmm. Um, I'm really supposed to call my neighbor and check on her. I don't really want to talk to her though, because she's going to talk my ear off. But wait a minute. You feel like you're supposed to call her? Maybe you should call her. Like you have no idea what those little things that the Holy Spirit mm-hmm cares enough about you to kind of speak to you that may seem so simple and tiny. And I look back like years and years and years that somebody called me. I could have not called you back, mm-hmm. you know? And so I'm not saying that to elevate myself that I did the most faithful thing, faithful thing by calling you. But it's like, 
<clears throat> there was a point, even when we were talking, that an idea that you had musically involved me and having another girl involved. Yeah. And and we were sincere about that. We we're talking about that. And it just didn't seem to make sense. And so I remember saying to you, just never mind. That's fine. And that catching your ear to say, wait a minute. So you're willing to just walk away from all of this if it doesn't feel right. And and I was. And I, fe- I felt almost conviction about like, I'm not, I can't, if this starts to feel forced and contrived and manipulated and created into something that's not even real, that just feels kind of, that doesn't feel faithful. Mm. And so I feel like God almost honored that by speaking through you to say, well, hold on, I would rather invest in you more than this idea over here. Like, let's talk. And so we kept talking. And so that little decision there was, you know, that even happened because I had been singing with somebody that had you know, asked me to sing for them because I had done, like, if you go backwards and backwards and backwards, there's all these little, you know, moments. together. Mm -hmm. Yes. And so what are you being offered today to be faithful with that you may not even see in your lifetime, Mm. but also even if you did, it might be six months or six years from now that you're like, oh, now I can see God was doing this, Mm -hmm. seeing if he could trust me with this, because to be a part of what he's doing is really the ultimate goal in my mind. Like, it's not about money, and it's not about fame, and it's not about, you know, right. innovation. I mean, it has been, and it's been really, really sad and unrewarding it right, in those seasons. But when it became, like, what do you want me to do? Um, and then doing that and feeling like he's like, okay, good job. We'll wake up tomorrow. My mercies will be new again, and we'll start fresh, mm-hmm. and we'll see what happens. Like, that's exciting to me because there's a lot of peace in it and because I do struggle with a lot of fear. Um, and anxiety. When I know he's in it, there's a calm that I have that is almost like a drug. Like I want more of that. Like I want to just know that God is totally okay with what I'm doing. And when I don't feel like that, I'm really, really anxious. Yeah, and so, I get that. you know, yeah, I do. And so I, I would rather just okay, just you know, the, the, the basis on it being popular or wealthy or nah. Yeah. Just gotta be faithful with yeah. what's right in front so of you. So I just think faithfulness, like ask for faithfulness, and I love that, and and also believing that our Father is faithful. I mean, the flip of that is sure. you know that we can just focus on being faithful with the step right in front of us because we know that our Father is faithful. Yeah, yeah, and what a That's what great. a relief you know to step back from having to plan everything. Um, <clears throat> I think about parenthood in particular. You know, there's this pressure that we do it right quote unquote, whatever that is, you know, um, but you that, will do it wrong. Yeah, You will, if you haven't done it yet. Exactly. And I, I think there's this, you know, uh, a lot of times in, in our lives, we have these moments where what we have in front of us to be faithful with seems insignificant. It doesn't seem like a big deal. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Because we may not even, we don't, like you were saying, you, if you weren't faithful with calling me back or calling Benji back or calling, you know, whatever, Maybe this wouldn't have happened, but you didn't do those things because you knew your career was going to happen. Right. You were faithful with what was right in front of you. And a lot of times we're like, okay, I'll do this because that will mean this. And I think it's important to take that end game off and just say, no, I'm going to be faithful because it's what the right thing to do right now. Parenting. Sometimes that's asking for forgiveness. Yes. Sometimes that's not like 
doing something, sometimes that's not doing something. Exactly. Or sometimes exactly. it's like laundry and dishes. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, it's just not sexy sometimes no. to be faithful. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. No, I agree 100% with that because I think when we get caught up in that end game, like we've, we've, we're, we're missing what's in it. Like there's something mm-hmm. in it that he wants to use and then we, he doesn't need us. I mean, you can take that off your back right now. He doesn't need you, first mm-hmm. of all. And <clears throat> the sooner I learned that, which was later than I wish I had, <clears throat> excuse me, but um, he wants me. So the times when I haven't been faithful, I haven't messed up his master plan for the you know universe. <laughs> I've just missed out. Mm-hmm. And so I think when you sent your kids to school today and you yelled at them at the top of your voice and they got out of the car and they went in school and they were, you know, just, you could just tell they were going to have the worst day because you have the fight that you had and you just think you've ruined them. Well, his mercies are new. Like mm-hmm. you have a chance today to faithfully let them get in your car and say, hey, before we say anything else other than how was your day, I'm sorry that I, you know, they may have done something really wrong, but the way I reacted may have not been the way. Like, you have no idea in that moment. It may impact your child to see you say, I'm really sorry and I was wrong because mm-hmm. you're the grown up mm-hmm. in a way that 25 years from now they're telling their child who 25 years later tells their child. And that willingness to be humble could affect the next you don't know who. Mm-hmm, so right. it's like, you have no idea how what seems so small. The domino effect. Maybe, so, yes, may so huge to say, you know what? I messed up today and I should not have said that to you. God didn't need you, he wanted you. So you missed out, well, guess what? He's redemptive. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's why he didn't just come and then he didn't just live this life of forgiveness and service. And when we don't do that, throw his hands up in the air and say, oh, I'm gonna throw you out with the bathwater. He died, then conquered hell and came back from the grave, which is the impossible thing to do because he knew we were going to screw up so bad mm. all the time. We would need so much redemption and so much grace that he went and did the ultimate. So nothing that you do to your kids is, I mean, yeah, it can be hurtful, it can be damaging, but God can use all of it, mm. every bit of it. I mean, you could have been the worst parent in the world as of this moment. You may be listening to this and you've been an abusive parent. You have been a negligent parent. You've been an absent parent. Like right now, he has redemption for you. You have an opportunity to be able to even go back to those kids and say, I was wrong and I'm going to be different. And God could use that for them to see that transformation in your life, impact them in a way that you never even dreamed. In a more powerful and transformational way than if you would have done all the right things. Exactly. And that doesn't say, hey, go be a bad parent. No. You know, but that's because that's not real. Right. But if what is real is that you've been broken, and what if and and if what is real is them to see you restored, God uses that kind of stuff all day long. I mean, it's just incredible. And so, you know, love that. Yeah, yeah. We we really, as parents, uh, we underestimate the power of grace, right? We underestimate how powerful God is to redeem our mess ups. Yes. Oh. Yeah. Well, I know we could talk a long time. I, I can see the stories would just flow. Um, I know you've written a book recently. Yeah. And it's just come out. What's yes. the name of your book? Tell it's you called about. Fight for Her. Um, comes out this early this year. Um, the release date is not set yet, but it's early this in this spring, 2018. And it's um, inspired by, it was originally inspired by my relationship with my mom and now with my daughter. I have a daughter who's nine. Um, my mom and I had have had 
the super close relationship. I left home. We had a super tumultuous relationship. And then I became a mother to a daughter and realized how selfish I had been. And so a lot of that tumultuous relationship was not entirely my fault, but was tremendously my fault and really stemming from a lot of self-centeredness. And finding myself saying to my daughter, I will fight for you even if I have to fight you. Mm. And having this like moment in my life, she was about three, that although my mom had not said those exact words, that's what she had done. And that I was now doing and saying this to my daughter of like, I'll fight for you even if I have to fight you. So it inspired this book to sort of this movement, if you will, to empower women to stand up for each other, even if we have to stand up to each other. So it's kind of based on my experience as a daughter and now a mother to a daughter, but that all women are daughters, whether you have a relationship with your mom and dad or not, you are a daughter of the king and he's fought for you and is fighting for you still. And there's a lot of women that did not have Julie Arbuckle, which is my mom, as a mom saying, I love you enough to tell you that the answer's no, and you can be mad at me. <laughs> they didn't have her. And so I found yeah. myself with Clementine doing and saying certain things where I'm like, no, ma'am, and having conflict with her, and then walking through the mall and her seeing a girl that just seems pretty broken, seems pretty messed up, seems like she's making some pretty negative choices socially, and being able to look at her and say, she did not have me as her mom. She didn't ha have your grandma as her mom. We mm -hmm. don't know what kind of mom she did or didn't have. So that girl needs also stood up for, and that might mean that she needs stood up too, and inspiring us to have relationships with each other, with each other that are... Um, loving enough and real enough that the girl in the cubicle next to you at work might be selling her short herself short every single weekend maybe you need to go to lunch with her and just get to know her so that your words will have more weight to say you are actually beautiful what are you doing yeah. you're worth more than you're giving yourself credit mm. and so it's just fight for her and it's just the kind of standing up so for each other for our audience, how do they find that book? Is that available on your website? Yes, it will be. It will be. Um, Pluminfo.net is my – or Plummusic.net. Sorry about that. Plum Music. <laughs> um, it used to be Plum Info. Um, it's just P-L-U-M-B and then music.net. Awesome. Um, and so you should find all things – I mean, you can just Google Plum, and other than, like, seeing a pipe <laughs> for some sort of plumbing um, – <laughs> Some, you know, I, I've That's done that a great. few times where I've, my, my kids have been like, Mom, Google Plum. And you'll see a, a pipe of some sort and then my face. And I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah. that's interesting. We've been uh, talking with Christian recording artist, songwriter, author, mother, uh, Tiffany Lee. And she's, you know, she's this sort of renaissance lady. She's been through a process from uh, late teen years until now she's an adult. She's had great success in Christian music. She's had great success in redemption in her in your marriage. Yeah. And um and you're a mom. Now how many kids do you have as we close? We have three. three I kids. have two boys and a girl. And how old are they? Twelve, eleven, and nine. Yeah. So that's for the audience to know that she's living where you are. Right. Yeah. And my twelve is gonna be thirteen this year. So I'm just pretending that the, the teen, the word teen after his name is is just, it's further off than it really is because hold on I just want to hold on to yeah, it. Yeah, just get a seatbelt. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, the stories could go on and on. We may have to have you come back for another uh, yeah, interview. Yeah, I'd love to. But I can tell you for sure, just in the, the short time that I've known you and talked with you, that I just sense the genuineness of your heart, the oh, authenticity thanks. of your faith. And so um, for our listeners out there, Get her music, support this artist. She's now independent. Um, yeah. She's making her own living. So 
uh, get out there and support this record. Get to her website. See what she's all about. We're grateful to have you on our show. Thank you. Thanks, Tiff. Thanks. iShine is a faith-based ministry and media company that looks and feels a lot like a Christian version of Disney. iShine is more than entertainment. We're the producer of the largest Christian tween TV series in the world, a nationally syndicated radio show, a Nashville-based record label, host to multiple live tours and summer festivals, an interactive website and social media, and a provider of printed and digital devotionals, preteen Bibles, and church curriculums. But more than anything, we're a trusted Christian resource for parents and pastors. You can turn to us for all things Check us out at iShineLive.com. So, Robert, uh, you obviously have known uh, Plum, the artist known as Plum, uh, for a long time. Yeah. And I I just got to meet her. So I have these... uh, Just a tremendous amount of respect for anyone who's willing uh, to put the effort she's put in to uh, being authentic. You know, that's not common with Christian artists or any artist, really. They have a sort of public persona that's kind of the prettier version mm-hmm. of their life. And then they have a private that no one ever gets to know person. And uh, my my direct sort of take, if you will, on on Tiffany is that she's the real deal. That Completely. sees what you get. Completely. And she's always been that way. And she writes from a place of personal um personal experience mm-hmm. with um, great empathy and vulnerability. I think that's what's made her such an impactful artist for so many years. I mean, it's been, I signed her 20 years ago. She's still on the top. She's still on the top 20, yeah. you know, like that's a long career. That is a long career. And obviously she has tremendous talent. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's no question about the talent. No she's doubt. got a voice. She, she can write. She obviously can perform or she wouldn't be doing it for 20 years. But I think the part that, you know, you and I are around a lot of artists, we're around a lot of uh, successful uh, entertainment people. Uh, I just love the fact that she was not interested in talking about herself. Did yeah. you notice that? Yeah. Like she she was over herself. Very much so. Yeah. Very much so. And I and I love the I love the way the interview went. It it so often when you get into a parenting kind of podcast, you can go to towards advice um and expertise. And she instead we kind of landed in embracing brokenness, picking yourself up, continuing to go on, knowing that life is messy, you don't have it all worked out, but being faithful with what's right in front of you. And, and believing that God is faithful to even take the times that we fail and turn them into something even more profound had we done things correctly, so to speak. And I, I just love that. I love that story of redemption, and um, I'm so glad she visited with us. Yeah, and, and for our, our listeners, uh, she was recently on Focus on the Family. You can find her with a Google search on Focus on the Family, and she did an interview about the redemption of her marriage. Yep. Uh, which— you know, she went. She goes into great detail about kind of uh, the the challenges she's had in in uh, staying married and just some of the struggles with depression and anxiety that that she had uh, postpartum. Mm-hmm. So, I I think there's some just amazing depth to this lady. You know, yeah. Like I, like we just scratched the surface today. Absolutely. Um, 
but the lyrics that I read and this this idea that that there is a silence that can come uh, where you're waiting to hear God mm-hmm. and the fact that she brought it out, she said, you know, sometimes we're afraid to hear his answer. Right. So we just don't ask. Right. You know, that kind of thing. I found myself identifying with those thoughts. Um, there is a, a fear of intimacy, isn't there? Totally. With God. Totally. Yeah. With anyone. I think it's natural. We're so um, kind of wired in this culture to just take care of ourselves and not make ourselves vulnerable. And so intimacy is something that, that um, it's a deliberate action. You have to work at it. Right. It's counter counterintuitive sometimes. Well, I was, um, I just felt like we definitely should invite her back. I agree. Um, I think her insights as a mom, uh, as a wife, and as an artist are really, really valuable. And again, I, ca- I can't tell you how encouraging it is for me because you and I have sat across the desk from so many different record deals. Mm-hmm. That she went the entire show and never once talked Pitched about herself. her record, her book. Other than what we asked. Yeah, yeah, we asked. But she she just was content to talk about whatever whatever we needed to. Yep. She wasn't here to promote herself. She didn't come to this show as a like, hey, I want to make sure everybody knows about my new stuff. Nope. She came as a mom wanting to help parents. And man, gosh, what a blessing that is just to see it for real. Like That's this right. is the real deal. So uh, I definitely now am a champion for her. I definitely want to go out of my way to promote her stuff. I'm definitely going to go back and buy those those songs records and, and songs yeah. that because you know when you get to know an artist even just a little bit like in a in a show like this, you suddenly become interested. Mm. Like I want to know what she's written and why I want to go back now and kind of explore some of this musical journey with her because it maybe it's like my journey. I think you'd be surprised. I I think it is. I knowing both of you and knowing, I mean, there's a, um, there's a song on one of her albums that she wrote about her and I and our, because we had a real falling out for a while. And, um, it, it, the story of redemption, the story of forgiveness, the story, you know, it's, she just really tries to 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 dive into real experience rather than just, you know, I'm going to say what people want to hear. So, yeah. I, yeah, she's she's remarkable. Well, I, I definitely got that sense, and I, I'm definitely uh, encouraging and a new fan of Plum, mm-hmm. and I hope she uh, just has greater success now than she's ever had. And I hope God uses the platform very well that she's been faithful in, obviously. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, everyone. Uh, We are rapidly working our way through season three. And if you've missed any of the previous episodes, we encourage you to go back. I'm going to remind you that we are on every kind of social media from uh, SoundCloud to iTunes, uh, YouTube channel, everything in between. Just use the keyword brilliantly brave parenting and you should be able to find us. And if you do like us, please share us with a friend and um, we'd be grateful. Thanks. God bless. Next week, we'll be talking with Thaddeus Hefner. Parents, remember, even if you may not feel brilliant or brave, you are. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. And I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed. I am convinced that he is able to guard until that day what has been entrusted to me. 2 Timothy 1, 7 and 13. This podcast is a service of iShine Ministries and the Tween Gospel Alliance, all rights reserved. Donations to Brilliantly Brave are tax deductible at iShineLive.com. 
Review and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, or on our webpage. And read our blog and connect with us at WordPress at BrilliantlyBrave.com. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Brilliantly Brave. What our kids believe is going to define them for a lifetime. According to George Barna, by the age of 13, what a kid believes is what he'll die believing. For parents and for pastors, that's a frightening experience, especially if you've got an 11 or 12 year old. At the iShine Ministries headquarters, this became a huge priority in the last year. We partnered with the Tween Gospel Alliance to bring you a brand new resource known as the Shock and Awe Study Guide. And I'm here with one of the co-founders of this entire program, Robert Beeson. Can you tell us what is the Shock and Awe Study Guide? It is awesome. More than that? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> The Shock and Awe Study Guide is a super cool thing that either a parent can do with their kid or a youth pastor can do with their students or a children's pastor can do with their students. And here's the cool thing about it. It is apologetics for kids. Wow. So it's the really huge evidence and thoughts of apologetics wrapped in a way that is really tangible and simple for kids to understand, answering four primary questions. And they are, what if there's a God? What if the Bible is true? What if Jesus is who he said he was? And what if I'm part of that plan? And we believe if you can answer those four questions and you are drawn through evidence proving those four questions that really it's going to it's going to establish a pretty unshakable foundation of faith that sounds very helpful especially if you're a parent or pastor and you're concerned about the condition of your child's faith what they believe what the voices of culture are telling them if that's you and you're interested go to ishinelive.com and check out in our web store the shock and awe study guide it has a digital cloud video base so it's four studies in a small paperback volume for nine dollars and it has four videos that go with four studies it can be done in a weekend it can be done over a month or it can be done bi-monthly however you need it it is a fantastic resource that i have used as a pastor in my own home church and i have been impressed so check it out check it out hi it's Pastor Brad with Brilliantly Brave Parenting, and I am letting you know about a really awesome podcast. If you are a solo parent or you know someone who's solo parenting right now, have I got a podcast for you. Uh, dear friend, co-host of our show, and my partner in crime, Robert Beeson has started something really spectacular. Robert's here in the studio. Tell us about it. Yeah, thanks, Brad. So Solo Parent Society podcast is talking to solo parents out there that are doing it alone. We uh, talk to other solo parents that are out there, talk about their struggles and insights that they've come across, as well as experts in the fields that solo parents deal with the most. I was a single parent for eight years, raising three girls. My co-host was a solo parent raising a boy and a girl also for I think about seven years so together we talk about these different topics and we have great guests either solo parents like I said or experts in the field so it's it's new it's authentic it's real it's raw and it's and it's super fun solo parent society podcast brilliantly brave is supporting and encouraging and endorsing what this is and if you want to check it out it's available what on iTunes yeah everywhere that brilliantly brave is awesome thanks